I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Is it bad when the special counsel calls the president of the United States a little bit too senile to be prosecuted for crimes that anybody else would likely be prosecuted for? Sub-question, did the special counsel actually say that Biden didn't commit crimes or that he just didn't have enough proof? Oh, and then Biden blows up at reporters and accusations and facts presented by said special counsel. Is that really who should be leading our country? Then again, do we or do we not get the leaders we ask for? Federalist Papers number six goes under the microscope as well. I'm Andrew Coppins. This is Critical Thinking. Normally on a Friday edition of the program, I'm going to come to you with the best takes, the worst takes of the week. But frankly, yesterday was insanity because I'm not even dealing with the two-hour-long Tucker Carlson, Vladimir Putin interview, which I found absolutely fascinating, by the way. Especially the first 30 minutes, and most of you are, are memeing the crap out of that first 30 minutes. And, and rightfully so, by the way, because what we watched was Vladimir Putin going on this 30-minute historical rant, all to say... Yeah, bro, we, we're doing this war because we believe we own this land. But Tucker not buying into it, Tucker asking really difficult questions, basically baiting him, and by him I mean Putin, into doing things. Absolutely fascinating. It is 1,000% worth your time to watch it, to understand it. And I will say this, when you are watching it, do not look for this from the perspective of America and the American view of all of this. Look through the lens of what Russia is attempting to get out of this. What is Russia trying to tell the world through all of this? That is the lens that is vitally important here because you have to understand that to get where 
Putin is going in most of the interview. Once you do that, you will be enlightened as to the other side and its BS arguments, by the way. That's the important part of this. It is not looking at this through the lens of America and American wants and American needs and American propaganda. It is look at it through the lens of Russian propaganda. That's important. So with that out of the way, do not forget you can follow me on social media. I am at The Coppins Show. You can always watch this program on X at The Coppins Show or on the Rumble channel, rumble.com backslash critical thinking, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. As always, the podcast is available on your favorite podcasting platform. So make sure that you are downloading it, that you are subscribed or following it, and that you can leave a rating or a review. I would love to see it. In fact, once a week, we're checking on that. And by we, I mean Pat and I on the background. We are checking on all of those things. So with all of that out of the way, there's a ton to get into because not just the Tucker Carlson interview, but yesterday we finally got the public or the publication of special counsel Robert Hur and the investigation into Joe Biden and classified documents. And there are a lot of headlines that came out of this. So we're going to discuss all of it. We also have the Federalist Papers number six. So let us go in and talk a little bit about the Biden special counsel situation. And I want to start with this. What did the special counsel, Robert Herr, actually say? Not what right-wing or left-wing media wants you to believe was said. What are the actual words? That's what I want to start with. Because I think it is important, because you've probably heard the headlines. So you told them that he was basically senile or, or totally forgetful Joe. and that, But he wasn't really going to prosecute because he was forgetful. But if you listen to left-wing media like Morning Joe, who went unhinged this morning, by the way, <clears throat> what you're likely to have heard was, well, actually, the headline should be, there was no crime committed here. Is that what was actually said? If so, well, then what is the other part of the puzzle here? Why Why would he have gone, Robert Herr, through the motions of telling you that, yeah, this dude's senile? Just just saying, Why? what would the need be? Well, here's the actual words of Robert Herr and the special counsel. So, he says that there were things wrong, okay? He does say that, saying that our investigation uncovered evidence that President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after his vice presidency when he was a private citizen. The materials included, one, marked classified documents about military and foreign policy in Afghanistan, and two, notebooks containing Mr. Biden's handwritten entries about issues of national security and foreign policy implicating sensitive intelligence sources and methods. FBI agents recovered these materials from the garage, offices, and basement den of Mr. Biden's Wilmington, Delaware home. Now, that to me would pretend what? Potentiality for an actual crime because that's literally what Donald Trump, right, for the right wing, um, 
reaction to this. But Donald Trump, you're right. He's willfully retaining and allegedly disclosing this information. That would be exactly apples to apples to what was going on with Donald Trump. But let's continue to look at this because he says further on that evidence supports the inference that when Mr. Biden said in 2017 that he had, quote, just found all of the classified stuff downstairs in Virginia, he was referring to the same marked classified documents about Afghanistan that FBI agents found in 2022 in his Delaware garage. Now, what the special counsel is talking about here is a alleged taped, or not alleged, but a taped interview for the memoir, right? So the ghostwriter for the book that Joe Biden was producing, he's literally telling him, I have classified information, and then giving him that classified information, which would be a crime. But folks, there appears to be a issue with, Wait a second, if he did that, wouldn't that be exactly what your or Jack Smith is attempting to tell us is the problem with what Donald Trump was doing? He was blabbing to people about and showing people and being involved in all of this. Now, of course, that is in regards to his memoir, as I noted. But there's some caveats to this. So let's take a look at it. In addition... Mr. Biden's memory was significantly limited, both during his recorded interviews with the ghostwriter in 2017, ah, his memory was limited, and in his interview with our office in 2013, and his cooperation with our investigation, including by reporting to the government that the Afghanistan documents were in his Delaware garage, will likely convince some jurors that he has made an innocent mistake rather than acting willfully. That is, with intent to break the law as the statute requires. Now, I want to get into this on multiple levels. So basically what uh, Robert Hur is telling us is that it's, it's really hard to prove that back in 2017 or in 2022, Joe Biden knew exactly where those documents were and were, was going to be able to replicate or reproduce them. Furthermore, was the story that he told in 2017 correct? And if so, what's the proof? Also, if he told that story in 2017, what proof did he have in 2022? Now, we do know that they, the documents showed up in his Wilmington, Delaware uh, property. But in 2017, had his stuff moved from his Virginia home already back up to Wilmington, Delaware. There's some question about that. Again, the actual law requires willful intent, willful knowledge. And what Robert Hur is getting at here is that his memory is so compromised. He is so senile. We have no idea if he was even telling the truth back in 2017, let alone telling us the truth when he sat down in 2023 with them. Meaning there's no way to know whether or not those documents actually existed as he told the ghostwriter in 2017. But let's continue to take a look at this because he says, again, another viable defense is that Mr. Biden might not have retained the classified Afghanistan documents in his Virginia home at all as I was pointing out. 
They could have been stored by mistake and without his knowledge at his Delaware home since the time he was vice president, as were other classified documents recovered during our investigation. This would rebut charges that he willfully retained the documents in Virginia. That's a problem, right? That's an absolute problem for Joe Biden. But that also then flies in the face of what he said in 2017. It also flies in the face of, wait a second, you told us that he willfully disclosed, willfully retained documents. You're just saying he didn't do that. What, but what he's actually saying here, folks, is I need to look at this as a prosecutor. Can I win this case? And that is the case for everything, like all the way from murder to um, sexual assault, rape, to any sort of criminal charge. Can I prove it beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law? What are the arguments the other side would rebut? Yes, that's exactly what a prosecutor would do in any case. They would take a look at it from that perspective if they're doing their job correctly. Because you need to know what the likely legal arguments would be against your case. Do you think you have the stronger case? Do you think that you have the ability to prove beyond a reasonable doubt before you charge anybody? But finally, we get this. We have also considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview of him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. Based on our direct interactions with and observations of him, he is someone for whom many jurors will want to identify reasonable doubt. It would be difficult to convince a jury that they should convict him, by then a former president well into his 80s, of a serious felony that requires a mental state of willfulness. That is the rub here. It's the willfulness. Ironically, the left has also then taken this to the Donald Trump scenario and are now attempting to claim that Joe Biden actually has more cognitive ability and less memory loss and less issues of cognitive decline than Donald Trump. Hold up, wait a minute, if you're making that case, because you have to defend this, right? Because you have to, if you're of left wing, have to say, well, that's exactly right. And now you're going to have to attack Donald Trump on his cognitive abilities. This is the problem that we as America have when we've got two people that are almost one in his 80s and the other about to be in his 80s battling it out for the presidency of the United States of America, folks. This is the insanity that we have put ourselves in. Here we are having to deal with the left attempting to attack Donald Trump's sanity, memory, cognition, whatever you want to call it, while at the same time saying, well, Joe Biden's really not as bad as the this thing said it was, except for um, he went in front of the camera, which is the worst thing that Joe Biden can do at this point in time. Because it was the biggest disaster that you could possibly imagine in trying to rebut the I'm in cognitive decline, I'm totally with it, totally there. Because he, in 
this press conference that he gave yesterday went from unhinged to forgetful to downright out of it and all back again. And I'm going to play for you all of the evidence that you need. And you make a decision for yourself here. Because in this clip, watch him go nuts on a reporter for asking about his age. For months when you were asked about your age, you would respond with the words, watch me. Many American people have been watching and they have expressed concerns about your age. That is your judgment. That is your judgment. That is not the judgment of the press. They express concerns about your mental acuity. They say that you are too old. Mr. President, in December, you told me that you believe there are many other Democrats who could defeat Donald Trump. So why does it have to be you now? What what is your answer to that question? Because I'm the most qualified person in this country to be president of the United States and finish the job I started. (laughs) The most qualified. Whatever. But here's the thing, folks. When you reach senile cognitive issues like this, when people point out your issues, one of the biggest clues that you're in that area and in that arena is when... Uh-oh, it, I got to defend that, so I'm going to lash out. But then we go to this clip where you tell me what the hell this is on foreign policy, because, uh, wow. The conduct of the response in, Gaza, in the Gaza Strip has been um, over the top. I think that, uh, as you know, initially, the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. I talked to Bibi to open the gate on the Israeli side. What the hell? Um, First of all, He's talking about the Rafa gate, which is in Gaza, not Mexico. Okay. He seems to be getting the border mixed up. Then he talks about Sisi, who's in the mix here. He is the president of Egypt, not Mexico. Also, also here. Oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. He he thinks that CC is somehow the... Uh, oh, wow, folks. Just, just wow. I, I just can't. And then further on, um, you know, there, there was talk in the special counsel's report about how he, Joe Biden couldn't recall the date of his son's death. He couldn't... Recall some of the the time frames around that very well, because there was uh, this. I wear since the day he died, every single day the rosary he got from Our Lady of. Every Memorial Day we hold a service remembering him, attending by friends and family and the people who loved him. Our Lady of. Yeah, you don't even remember the church. Now, you might say, what's the big deal here? Well, for a supposedly indelible memory, 
there's no indelibleness, if you will, if that's a word. It's not there. He can't recall what was going on. Do we even know that to be a true story in any way, shape, or form? We're no idea. Quite literally, we're watching him earlier this week tell stories of foreign leaders who have been dead for decades. And not telling stories about them back in the time when they were alive, telling stories about them and mixing up whom led what nation, when, where, when, where, when, where. Oh, it was so terrible. He is literally just making stories up. Now, th- this story is probably pretty well documented, but again, do we even know that the story itself is true? I couldn't tell you. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. But then he goes from that to uh, this. not share classified information. I did not share it. With your ghostwriter. With my ghostwriter. I did not. Guarantee you did not. But what the special counsel said it. Well, no, he did, did not say that. Okay. okay. He did but, not say that. But, Mr. President, what other... Let me okay, answer your you. question. The fact of the matter is, what I didn't want repeated, I didn't want him to know, and I didn't read it to him, was I had written a long memorandum to President Obama why we should not be in, this, in Afghanistan. And I was of this multiple pages. And so what I was referring to, I said classified, I should have said it was, should be private because it was a contact between the president and the vice president as to what was going on. That's what he's referring to. It was not classified information in that document. Except for that would have been classified information in that document. Literally, that communication would have been classified because it would have dealt with military movements and thoughts and processes. Furthermore, the evidence of the special counsel suggests that's exactly what he meant back in 2017. This is all nuts. This is all insane. But again, this is all part of his cognitive decline is his inability to control emotions. And we have a little bit more evidence of this. In addition, I know there's some attention paid to some language in the report about my recollection of events. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. Let me tell you something. Actually, it is because your ability to recall things is part and parcel of proving one of the elements of the crime. And I will say this, as I read the special counsel's report and and did some of that deep diving there, the reality is this, to my friends on the right, there is very ample evidence that this, yes, he might have willfully wanted to retain this information, But now, where he sits today, is there willful intent? I don't know how you prove it. That is the point. There are many, 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 many crimes that are committed 
all over the world, let alone here in the United States, in which people are guilty as sin. But you can't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. And until you get the evidence, until you got that smoking gun or or stack upon stack upon stack of evidence that leads you to this, again, the willful intent portion is the key that Robert Hur, the special counsel, hit on. He doesn't believe if you put this in front of a jury that they could get that prosecution. Do you believe that argument or not? I would suggest if you take a look at what the special counsel tells us that you have to put Joe Biden on the stand and prove willfulness. You have to have that, you have to connect the dots that he actually knew what was going on. And one of the only dots that you can connect is the 2017 case. But again, you can't even prove that those documents were right there or that he knew what the hell he was talking about back then. So at the end of the day, while it seems very similar to what took place and what is being attempted to be told to us as um, the crime that Jack Smith is prosecuting or attempt, attempting to prosecute with Donald Trump, the reality of whom these people are as individuals is as important as some of the other parts because willfulness the cognitive ability to understand what you're doing or the memories or anything of that nature. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I happen to believe the special counsel is right here. There's a very strong, strong chance, especially in Washington, D.C., that Joe Biden would not be prosecuted or... If he would, he wouldn't be convicted. So if you cannot obtain a conviction, if you believe that a, that a conviction is unlikely, are you going to bring that case? Talk to any prosecutor worth their salt and they would say the same thing. That's where I come down having read the information in front of us. You can say conspiracy theory all you want except for Donald Trump is the one who uh, put Robert Hur in this position. And by this position, I mean in a position to uh, be in the DOJ, okay? To be somebody who can have some impartiality in this actual situation of your ilk if you want. And he still said, yeah, no. Are you suggesting now that the deep state is so deep that they put themselves um, into nomination by Donald Trump vis-a-vis, you know, right-wing uh, heritage action, right? Oh, the uh, the Federalist Society is going to, we're going to nominate deep state actors that are left-wing. Are you nuts? Like, the, the amount of conspiracy theories that you've got to chain together to get to Robert Hur's a uh, deep state plant is nuts. And that's exactly why we watched Merrick Garland appoint him because he is one of you. He is a Trump appointee. So at the end of the day for all of this, 
here's where I come down. Yes, as I've mentioned, it's very unlikely that charges would be filed or should be filed in this case. It is very likely that, number two, Donald Trump and Joe Biden did the same thing. But willfulness is the important part of all of this. It's very likely that Jack Smith is going to have trouble proving willfulness. But again, intent, eye of the beholder, I guess. I'm not really sure on that one. And then thirdly, this is the biggest piece of the puzzle when it comes to the cognition, the, the cognitive abilities of the president of the United States of America. And it's very clear that Robert Herr has said, yeah, we've got some problems. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And if this individual, okay, because in the clip that I played at the at the back end here, he goes on to talk about, oh well, I I was distracted by the events in Israel, and and and, and that's what really led to this. And I've seen the left taking glom on to this argument overnight. This argument that. How could I possibly remember dates and times and, and all of this with the distractions of what was happening in world events that were blowing up literally and figuratively in Israel? As I said on X at the Coppin Show, this is not the case you think you're making, which is uh, I shouldn't be able to... What you're making, the case you're really making, I should say, is this. I can only concentrate on one thing at a time. And if I concentrate on that one thing, I forget everything else. Are you really suggesting that we're supposed to be totally okay with somebody leading our country who has no ability to mentally multitask? I'm not talking about doing two actual tasks at the same time. I'm talking about mentally being able to handle and compartmentalize different things going on at the same time, taking meeting A and then meeting B. 
because that's literally what you're suggesting is that I, I need to be excused from anything that goes on in meeting B because meeting A took up all of my energy and time. Are you really suggesting that we're supposed to be good with somebody who can't mentally multitask or at least pay attention to the task that is in front of them for the time that it's supposed to be in front of them? Get that weak stuff, Dikembe Mutombo. Uh-uh. Get it out of here. Get it out of here. That's an insane argument to be making. That is absolutely nuts. I, 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 I what else? Are, really? You, you think that's a defense? No, it is a condemnation. And as much as I dislike Kamala Harris and think that she is dangerous, she is a socialist, she is a Marxist, as much as I think she is a incompetent boob, I don't question her cognition, her cognitive abilities. I question her judgment, but I don't question her ability to process information and do the basics. Would we be better off with that for now? Yes. There's serious 25th Amendment questions that need to be asked here. Yes, there are. Just as I believe we should also be asking the cognition and cognitive ability questions of Donald Trump, who, yes, if you look at him even in 2020 to now, you notice the mental mistakes, the same name recognition problems, time recognition problems that we see with Joe Biden. Only Joe Biden is worse because we're also seeing the physical decline. I have long held that I firmly believe he is likely to have a version of either Parkinson's or Alzheimer's because I've seen this in people within my own family. I've seen exactly this entire scenario play itself out. And many of you likely have as well. Would I put it past them to hide? Of course I wouldn't. They did it with FDR. Whether it was uncurious media or, you know, playing the games or telling the media to shut up. Wouldn't put it past them to do that now either. We're literally going to put up two of the most senile, cognitively declined individuals in American history to lead this country at a time in which we are on the brink of potential world war, Iran, China, and Russia, literally two out of the three already actively engaged in proxy wars, if you will, with the United States. What, what are we doing? What are we doing I don't know and then I keep coming back to this my final point 
where's the adult in the room? Where's the person saying, Joe, you can't do this anymore? Where's the person saying and having the conversation that most of us have likely experienced with grandparents or great-grandparents when you have to take away the driver's license or the keys to the car or move them out of a home into assisted living or a nursing home? There's no excuse for allowing this to happen other than your own personal narcissism, greed, and grift. And it's disgusting. Put his humanity before your personal needs. Because the humane, the right thing to do is to not put him in situations in which he is exposed to failure like this where he is exposed to potentially dangerous situations. He holds the keys to a lot of the puzzle. He holds a lot of the pieces still in the bag, if you will. And if he spills it the wrong way or throws it away or forgets where he puts it and we can't put it back together correctly, it's a problem. It's a very large problem. Now is not the time to play Hayden Biden, even though it's a great political strategy. But we also know this is the cover that the media has been waiting for. And I fervently believe, if I want to go down the route of some sort of a conspiracy, is that we actually are seeing the hounds being released. And it's the Democrat hounds being released. Now's the time. Let's get them out. And let's Gavin Newsom or whoever, right? Michelle Obama, Gavin Newsom, all of the names that have been tossed about. Whoever it will be. Now's the time. We have the cover of a Trump-appointed DOJ official saying, yeah, dude, uh, no. Yeah, no, you, you don't have the ability to, to remember very basic things let alone lead a nation. We would just watched the media literally not softball this. They played hardball yesterday. Will some left-wing media run the cover job for Joe Biden? Absolutely. And if you are doing that, then you're part of the problem. There are some hard truths that need to be told here, and they need to be told to Joe Biden and his family. Dr. Jill Biden should be absolutely ashamed of herself. I don't know if she's even capable of feeling shame. Really don't, based off of actions or inactions and in what we've seen evidentiary-wise of her personality, her ambition. And ambition is not a bad thing. Ambition's a good thing when it's under control. Her naked ambition her absolute narcissism. That combination's terrible. Just like it's the terrible part of of uh, Donald Trump. But we have to have these people step up to the plate and say, nah, will the media continue to 
put his feet to the fire and demand uh, that he take a cognitive test, demand that he prove that he has the mental capacity and the, the fitness for office. I don't know, but they should. That's where I come down on all of this. That being said, now's a great time to remind you to go to our fine sponsors over at coffeebrandcoffee.com. Reload a little bit as we get into the Federalist Papers, number six, coming under the microscope here in just a moment. But um, go to coffeebrandcoffee.com. Get yourself your favorite blend of coffee, small batch, fresh roasted, directly into the bag, shipped directly to you, or tea or, or hot cocoa, whatever floats your boat. But you'll get 10% off by using the promo code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout over at coffeebrandcoffee.com where they care about great coffee, and that's it. Not left-wing, not right-wing, not centrist politics, anything in between. Just producing a really good quality product at a good price for you. Again, go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, enter the promo code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout for 10% off of that purchase today. All right, so all of that having been said, now is a really great time for us to get into the Federalist Papers number six. And this one is on concerning dangers from dissensions amongst the states. John Jay is giving way back to Alexander Hamilton, who wrote the first Federalist paper, before giving it to Jay for two through five. But he picks up the point that Jay is getting at and um, the questions about states and disunion and war and all of that, right? And uh, he, he notes this in the first part of the Federalist Papers number six. A man must be far gone in utopian speculations who can seriously doubt that if these states should either be wholly disunited or only united in partial confederacies, the subdivisions into which they might be thrown would have frequent and violent contests with each other. To presume a want of motives of for such contest as an argument against their existence would be to forget that men are ambitious, vindictive, and rapacious. To look for a con continuation of harmony between a number of independent, unconnected sovereignties in the same neighborhood would be to disregard the uniform course of human events and to set at defiance the accumulated experience of ages. So, again, the theme, the argument, the premise of Hamilton in this one is that unity actually does avoid hostility amongst those who would have plenty in common outside of, I don't know, competing commercial interests. In fact, he says as much uh, when he goes into uh, the second slide here, which is going to be this. The causes of hostility among nations are innumerable. There are some which have a general and almost constant operation upon the collective bodies of society. Of this description are the love of power or the desire of preeminence and domination, the jealousy of power or the desire of equality and safety. There are others which have a more circumscribed, which have a more circumscribed, though an equally operative influence within their spheres. Such are the rivalships, rivalships, wow. Such are the rivalships and competitions of commerce between commercial nations. And there are others, not less numerous than either of the former, which take their origin entirely in private passions, 
in the attachments, enmities, interests, hopes, and fears of leading individuals in the communities of which they are members. Men of this class, whether the favorites of a king or of a people, have in too many instances abused the confidence they possessed, and assuming the pretext of some public motive, have not scrupled to sacrifice the national tranquility to personal advantage or personal gratification. So, I think that's also interesting here, where he talks about you know personal interests, commercial interests, nations, people, all of them having various and numerous ways in which war, competition, things that would create issues, right? Uh, that wouldn't be good for separate nations like this, uh, especially fledgling United States of America disbanding. And I think this is a right and accurate description of all of human history. But he continues going on, uh, kind of proving this, when he takes a look at uh, the Greek city-states or nation-states, right? As evidence of exactly his point about unified commercial interest and the jealousy that could easily lead to war. Because remember, the, the nation-states of Greece or other places, right? It was all about, well, we have our own culture, but we have commercial interests that are pretty unified. He says the following, the celebrated Pericles, in compliance with the resentment of a prostitute, at the expense of much of the blood and treasure of his countrymen, attacked, vanquished, and destroyed the city of the Samoneans. The same man, stimulated by private pique against the uh, Megarasians, another nation of Greece, or to avoid a prosecution with which he was threatened as an accomplice of a supposed theft of the statutory Theodes, uh, or to get rid of the accusations prepared to be brought against him for dissipating the funds of the state in the purchase of popularity, or from a combination of all of these causes, was the primitive author of that famous and fatal war distinguished in the Grecian annals by the name of the Peloponnesian War, which, after various vicissitudes, intermissions, and renewals, terminated in the ruin of the Athenian commonwealth. Again, what is he laying out here? That the interests of one of the nation-states or city-states, right? One of them ruined it for every one of them. It was the demise of all. The ruin of one was the demise of all. That's what he's saying here. But he doesn't even actually need to go that far in my view, but, 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 he does the smart thing here and goes right from ancient Greece to today in his time. For the first time, we get the actual words, Shays Rebellion. We finally have it directly called out in the Federalist Papers. So let's go ahead and take a look at what he has to say there. To multiply examples of the agency of personal considerations in the production of great national events, either foreign or domestic, according to their direction, would be an unnecessary waste of time. Those who have but a superficial acquaintance with the sources from which they are to be drawn will themselves recollect a variety of instances, and those who have a tolerable knowledge of human nature 
will not stand in need of such lights to form their opinion either of the reality or extent of that agency. Perhaps, however, a reference tending to illustrate the general principle may with propriety be made to a case which has lately happened among ourselves. If Shays had not been a desperate debitor, meaning Shays' rebellion, it is much to be doubted whether Massachusetts would have been plunged into a civil war. Without going all deep dive on Shays' rebellion, the point was that Shays, Massachusetts was a massive detti to Shay and to other individuals from the American Revolutionary War. Right? He is pointing out that the rebellion within that state happened because of debt, happened because of an issue internally, almost wrecking Massachusetts, and with it, the Articles of Confederation. But then Hamilton addresses the other side of the argument, noting that a dismembered union, if you will, or disunion, built on the idea of pacificity through mutual commercial interests is a fool's errand, pointing out the following. But notwithstanding the concurring testimony of experience in this particular there are still to be found visionary or designing men who stand ready to advocate the paradox of perpetual peace between the states, though dismembered and alienated from each other. The genius of republics, say they, is pacific. The spirit of commerce has a tendency to soften the manners of men and to extinguish those inflammable humors which have so often kindled into wars. Commercial republics like ours will never be disposed to waste themselves in ruinous contentions with each other. They will be governed by mutual interest and will cultivate a spirit of mutual amity and concord. Um, hmm. So he says that's what the other side believes and then points out the following. It is not we may ask these projectors in politics, is it not the true interest of all nations to cultivate the same benevolent and philosophic spirit? If this be their true interest, have they in fact pursued it? Has it not, on the contrary, invariably been found that momentary passions and immediate interest have a more active and imperious control over human conduct than general or remote considerations of policy, utility, or justice? Have republics in practice been less addicted to war than monarchies? Are not the former administrated by men as well as the latter? Are they not aversions predilections, rivalships, and desires of unjust acquisitions that affect nations as well as kings? Are not popular assemblies frequently subject to the impulses of rage, resentment, jealousy, avarice, and other irregular and violent propensities? Is it not well known that their determinations are often governed by a few individuals in whom they place confidence and are, of course, liable to be tinctured by the passions and views of those individuals? Has commerce heretofore done anything more than change the objects of war? Is it not the love of wealth as domineering and enterprising a passion as that of the power or glory? Have there not been as many wars founded upon commercial motives since that has become the prevailing system of nations as were before occasioned by the cupidity of territory or domination? 
Has not the spirit of commerce in many instances administered new incentives to the appetite, both for the one and for the other? Let experience, the least fallible guide of human opinions, be appealed to for the answer of these inquiries. So again, in other words, what he is saying here is, uh, yo, dudes, um, look at history. Tell me when mutual commercial interest is some sort of buttress against um, war, against anything, against division. Uh, what part of human history suggests that at any point in time, if you just simply have the same commercial interests, everything else is going to be copacetic? In the end, the actual best argument that Hamilton makes is the one that points to the ancient and modern times as history's lesson against the idea that the commercial ties are all that needed to be bind against war. I think that is the greatest argument that he makes here for the Constitution, for a more unified nation, so much so that there's actually a lessened chance of the 13 places all fighting against each other. What if we had thir what if we had 26 different wars going on, right? All thir you know 12 plus oh, so 24, right? Massachusetts fighting New York, who is fighting Virginia, who's also is that good news? Is that smart? Does that help? Or what if we were just the United States and then we fought England again or we were fighting France instead of 13 times France. But he continues to say this as that argument. Sparta, Athens, Rome, and Carthage were all republics, two of them, Athens and Carthage, of the commercial kind. Yet, were they as often engaged in wars, offensive and defensive, as the neighboring monarchies of the same times? Sparta was little better than a well-regulated camp, and Rome was never sated of carnage and conquest. Carthage, though a commercial republic, was the aggressor in the very war that ended in her destruction. Hannibal had carried her arms into the heart of Italy and to the gates of Rome before Scipio, in turn, gave him an overthrow in the territories of Carthage and made a conquest of the Commonwealth. Venice, in later times, figured more than once in wars of ambition till becoming an object to the other Italian states. Pope Julius II found means to accomplish that formidable league, which gave a deadly blow to the power and pride of this haughty republic of Venice, right? Quite literally, all of human history is telling us that there's no such thing as mutually esteemed interest, that in the end, something will happen to disunify. And if we have the opportunity to unify more than split apart, we have a better chance at unity. That's the key here. The real argument is not that we're going to be unified forever, y'all, is that we have the best opportunity for that unity, and that comes under the Constitution, the strength in numbers together rather than the strength of one apart. And finally, in Federalist Number 6, it ends this way. So far is the general sense of mankind from corresponding with the tenets of those who endeavor to lull asleep our apprehensions of discord and hostility between the states. In the event of disunion, 
that it has from long observation of the progress of society become a sort of axiom in politics that vicinity or nearness of situation constitutes nations' natural enemies. An intelligent writer expresses himself on this subject to this effect. Neighboring nations, says he, are natural, naturally enemies of each other unless their common weakness forces them to league in a confederate republic, and their constitution prevents the differences that neighborhood um, occasions extinguishing that secret jealousy which disposes all states to aggrandize themselves at the expense of their neighbors. This passage, at the same time, points out the evil and suggests the remedy. And that's exactly right. That is exactly correct if you study history. Alexander Hamilton, I think, gives the best argument out of John Jay and Alexander Hamilton from the last five Federalist Papers, this is the best argument about war, about unity that we have seen. This is the one that holds up the strongest based on evidence for me. What say you, though? Hit me up on social media, on X. I'm at The Coppin Show. But, folks, this ends today's program. Until next week, please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals this weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. I'm rooting for my Brock Purdy ISU power. With that, as always, Matthew 547. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.